0: community of central oregon's podcast featuring reverend jane hyatt
1: so our guest speaker today has been in the human happiness business for over 35 years as a professional speaker she always wants to leave her audience with pearls of wisdom and i guarantee you today will be no exception As a hypnotherapist and certified timeline counselor, she sees miracles as her clients transform their limiting beliefs into resourceful and powerful thoughts. As an author, her goal is to inspire people to live in harmony and say yes to the whispers of their soul. Jodi is somebody that I have personally known for over 25 years and we've done all kinds of cool things together. She is the person that gave me the kick in the pants I needed to get busy and write my first book. So I'm always grateful to her for that. But we've done so many things and she, she is such an amazing woman. I am really, really thrilled that we all get to share in her wisdom today. So please help me welcome Jodi Hill-Stevenson. Good morning. Good
0: morning. I am so happy to be here with all of you again uh, it 's been a while, and i 'm um, so happy that my beautiful niece, after all she 's been through, has joined this uh, spiritual tribe you 're all so wonderful, um, and of course, I love your minister. Oh my <laughs> God, where is she? Where'd she go? oh there she you there you are. Um, I truly, truly uh, love you, Jane. We really have been through a lot together. So uh, thank you for inviting me. 2,500 years ago, an old man could be seen walking across the king's courtyard in China. And he was heading off to the west to the Ku Pass, Past. past. And fortunately for you and me, the gatekeeper knew who he was. He was leaving the kingdom. He had been like the head sage or the head librarian for the king. And he was leaving because he was 82 and he wanted to retire. And he was really fed up with the political scene of the day. So he decides to retire in the desert. He gets to the Hank who Pass, The gatekeeper says, oh my God, I know who you are, please master, write down all that you know so that your wisdom will not be lost. So he said, okay. And I have this vision that the gatekeeper um, got him a cup of tea, because I think that's what they did in those days. And he sat there and Lao Tzu which means wise old man, wrote the Tao Te Ching. He used 5,000 Chinese characters, most of them are not in use anymore. And he wrote what was to become, centuries later, the second most popular book sold on the planet, next to the Bible. There is so much wisdom in this book. About 10 years ago, I started to study it and teach it. I have a, I'm a religious science uh, minister, and I decided to start studying it. I don't know why, I guess the divine said, you will study this, and then I started teaching it. And about two years ago, I got the guidance that I wanted to write a book that combined my 12-step background, my uh, neuro-linguistic program training, my religious science training and Taoism. And my goal was to keep it 100 pages, under 100 pages, because the average American only reads 26 pages of a a 200-page book. Unless there's a lot of sex in it. Just saying. There is no sex in this. But there's good stuff. So I wrote a book called The Trio of Treasures, Embracing the Wisdom of the Tao. So before we get into the treasures, I'd like to get into and talk a little bit about the trio of troubles in our life. When Sarah walked into my office, she looked frazzled, exhausted, and depressed. She flopped down on my couch. She said, you know what, I just need... 30 more minutes a day, that's all. I just need 30 more minutes a day. And I looked at her. I said, here's the deal, Sarah. You don't get 30 more minutes a day. You can't buy, borrow, beg, or steal 30 minutes a day, more minutes a day. Like the rest of all human beings and and living beings on this planet, you have 1,440 minutes to live your life every 24 hours. And once you spend those minutes, you can never get them back. Time is the most precious thing that you and I have. So there's a condition, a new condition in America today. How many of you have either said or heard someone say, I feel crazy busy? There's an illusion that time has sped up, but there is a new epidemic in America today. It darkens the experience of our finances, of our relationships, of our careers, and especially our health. According to the experts, America has the same symptoms as a child with ADD. According to USA Today, Americans need 42 hours a day to complete our to-do list. We are rushing through life. We are coming through the age of information into the age of inattentiveness. We're going to be hearing more and more about the age of inattentiveness. Americans hate to wait and we are not paying attention to the things that we need to. You know, think about what is it that's causing us to feel more um, more energized and more busy. And what is it? And, you know, i got to tell you, on the way here, I realized that I did not call my assistant and tell him to send out a contract. If you don't mind, I just need to make a quick phone call. It won't take long. Let's see. <laughs> What do I do with my phone? Where, oh, wait, oh, I think I put it over here. I'm always losing my phone. And, and oh, here's my phone. Oh, boy, I'm always so glad when I find it. Let me see here.) <clears throat> oh, finally, I found my phone. So, Reverend Robin, would you help me? I got to call um, Jeff. So uh, my number is seven, two. Zero. Oh my God, it takes way too long. Yeah. Now, I am not recommending we go back to this. this. This weighs five pounds. I carry this all over the country to speak. You don't have to. I will say that right after Steve Jobs died, I read an article, I wish I had kept it. I went back to try to find it, Newsweek time. And in the article it said that historians 100 years from now will say that this new technology will be compared to the fire. That this technology has influenced us so much and changed the course of humanity just like fire. Just a little information about this. There are about 8.7 billion people on the planet right now. 5.6 billion have cell phones. 3.5 billion have toothbrushes. Because of this, and I love my phone, But you and I can be on for 24 hours a day. We can be available for 24 hours. We can have TV on for 24 hours a day. There is so much technology, and we have to learn how to turn it off in order to live in harmony. Dr. Edward Halliwell, who wrote the book Crazy Busy, Writes, hope, optimism, confidence, and enthusiasm, positive emotional energies make for happiness and success these days, just as they always have. The difference now is that it is especially difficult to maintain those attitudes because everyone is in such a hurry. The great modern-day philosopher Lily Tomlin wrote, For fast-acting relief, try slowing down. (laughs) Trio of trouble number two, judging. There was a young couple that bought their first house. They moved in, in the morning of their first breakfast, and there was a breakfast nook, and they looked out over their neighbor's yard, and they're sitting there eating breakfast, and they noticed that the neighbor's clothes are dirty. She's hanging dirty clothes. I thought, well, that's odd. Then the next morning, she was out there, and she was hanging dirty clothes. I thought, oh, my God. And this went on for about seven or eight mornings. And on the ninth morning, she was hanging clean clothes. And the wife said, oh, my God, finally, she's, she's hanging clean clothes. And her husband just very gently tapped her and said, Honey, she's hanging clean clothes because I cleaned our windows. (laughs) (laughs) Judging is as common as leaves growing on trees, and it is as devastating as drinking under the influence, driving under the influence, driving and drinking under the influence. (laughs) (laughs) Taoism tells us that we are the source of our own sorrow. And the reason for that is that we judge other people. We have right and wrong thinking. We have good and bad, black and white. If we were to be a pure Taoist, we would move into the mentality of life just is. Life just is. Who am I to say another person's path is wrong? I've been a counselor and a minister for 35 years. Can you imagine somebody sitting in my office and I'm going, you did what? I, I mean, it's been so fast. Sometimes I'll go, well, that was creative of you. <laughs> but if we can just let everybody live their own life, there's a, there's a belief in the neuro-linguistic programming, and boy, do I get pushed back on this when I teach my students. And the principle, the presupposition is that everyone is doing the best they can at any given moment. They go, it's not true.
1: Yes, it is.
0: We're all doing the best we can. Let go of judgments. Trio of treasure number three. Controlling. How many of you have ever had the experience where someone tried to control you? Okay, about 99%. How many of you have ever tried, be honest, to control another situation or somebody else about 99 We have all done it. We have all done it. When we control, we're saying to God, excuse me, I'll take over. And the times... I'm so sorry this keeps happening. Am I... Put it below my lips. Okay, how's that? Okay, good. My apologies. Um, So when we can let go and truly trust that the person in front of us is, first of all, doing the best they can, and secondly, they're on their own path. And I was coaching someone the other day. I coach uh, people who want to be great wedding officiants. I've officiated over 1,000 weddings, so I figure I'm an expert. So I, I was talking to someone and they said, what do you do when you're working with a new couple on their wedding and you know they shouldn't get married? And <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question. Here's what you do. You let them go ahead. Because who are you to say that? They have learnings. They are, they, they're supposed to be together. It's okay. She went, oh. You mean, I can let go and let God? And I went, yeah, that's the idea. (laughs) Let go. It's not our nature to to control. All right, so take a deep breath. Much more fun to talk about the treasures. 5,000 years ago, the saints and sages of India believed that a human being only has two desires. And I so believe that's true today that my entire work is based on this. What are the two desires? A peaceful mind and a joyful heart. And Taoism reminds us that as beings we are are supposed to live in harmony. We are supposed to, by nature, have a peaceful mind and joyful heart. Yeah, we all have clunky times. But ultimately, that's what we are seeking. So the trio of treasures can, can transform sorrow into joy, sickness into health, poverty into riches, and hate into love. The first trio of treasures is simplicity. Steve Jobs said, that's been my mantra. Did you know he was Buddhist? where he studied Buddhism. He said, that's been my mantra, focus and simplicity. Simple can be harder than complex. You have to work hard to get your thinking clean to make it simple, but it's worth it in the end because once you get there, you can move mountains. To live simply means to live in flow. To live simply means to embrace the center point, and to live simply means to live in harmony. Sanskrit is the oldest language on the planet, and the word for harmony, for balance, is sama. When I lived in Portland, Oregon, I used to uh, have this on my license plate. means the center point between ease and effort, and we go back and forth. So what happens though, I mean, the dance is like this, but what happens when we get super busy and we get super stressed, we get away from our center point and we get out here, and then we get further. Center point. Then we go into our addictions and our compulsions, and way out here, we're into terrorism. Sama, the center point between ease and effort. If we're efforting too much, we have to ease. We have to take some time out. If we're easing too much, we have to get up and be productive. It's our nature. The voice of simplicity asks not, How much can I get or do, but what brings me joy? Trio of treasure number two. Leo Bascalia. Who was these? Yes, you know him. Yes, he uh, he was a professor at uh, one of the universities. You had, what? USC. USC. Oh, UNC. USC. USC. Okay. And um, he went to. And this was in the 70s and 80s, I believe. And he went to his power up, and he said, "I want to teach a, a class on love." And they said, "Well, that's really stupid." <laughs> No one is going to want to teach a class on love or take a class on love. And lo and behold, he has standing room only in huge auditoriums. So the trio of treasure is kindness. Too often we underestimate the power of a touch, a smile, a kind word, a listening ear, an honest compliment, or the smallest act of caring, all of which have the potential to turn a life around. How many of you have been to the um, Pike Place Market in Seattle, Washington? Oh, many of you. Okay, good. So you can picture it with me. It's a very, it's an outdoor market, and it faces the San Juan Islands. Excuse me. Uh, Could you hand me some water? Thanks. I come from dry, but it's dry here. Mm. So the Pike Place Market is actually um, very European in many ways. It's an open-air market and it's electric. I mean, people are yelling and the vendors are talking and there's lots of people around and the visuals are like, oh my God, there's so much here. And in the early spring of 1984, I was down at the Pikes Plague Market. I lived in Seattle, I went to school in Seattle. And I was down at the market because I was having breakfast with my father. And at the time, by his own admission, he had become a skid row bum. He was living on the streets of Seattle. So we were sitting in the market, and I remember feeling such sorrow and um, sadness because our conversation was so frustrating to me. We couldn't go deeper than, hi, how are the friends at home back in Minnesota? So we had breakfast. I would meet with him once in a while and take him to breakfast. He went off to his, he lived in a little um, doorway in, in Pioneer Square. And I thought, well, you know, I'm here. I might as well get some fish. I mean, you get fish at Pike Place Market. So I went upstairs where the fish area was, and I walked in, and there were you know rows of fish uh, vendors on either side selling their fishes. And as I walked in, I noticed that there was at the end there was a vendor behind his case who looked just like Santa Claus. I mean, he was big and burly, and white hair and a white beard. And so I walked over to him, and I said, I'd like a pound of king salmon, please. And he looked at me and he said, Young lady, I'm out. And I have to tell you, in that moment, I had nothing left in me for another disappointment in my life. So I stood and looked at him, And tears just started streaming down my face. And he looks at me and he goes, Fred, fly me a king. We have a live one here. (laughs) And all of a sudden this king salmon comes flying over the heads of all of us. He catches it, he wraps it up, he puts it in his left hand, he comes around his case and he said, young lady, you look like you need a shoulder to cry on. that was it. I put my head on his shoulder, and I said, I just had breakfast with my Skid Row father, and I'm about to lose my home, and my husband has a girlfriend, and my dog is dying, and I have two babies, two little boys, and I don't know what's going to happen to them. And the worst is I'm in my first year of ministerial school, and I don't even believe in God know what's going to (laughs) happen. He's just holding me. So in Taoism, there's a phrase that no storm lasts forever. Think about that. Even nature can't keep a storm going forever. So as my internal storm started to slow down, I step away from him and he looks at me and he says, young lady, he's holding the salmon, young lady, I want you to hear me, okay, I know you're going through a rough time, you, you're, you have a, you're in a difficult chapter but you're powerful, you're strong, you will get through this and I want you to know that there is nothing bigger than God, do you hear me young lady, nothing bigger than God. Now, you take this salmon home and you go love your children like never before. I did. I believed him. So I went home, I got the kids, they were at Montessori, had one in diaper still. So that afternoon, uh, I built a big fire and uh, we played Legos all afternoon. I cried, I laughed, I cried, I laughed. My kids were playing, and the, little, the dog was just attached to me. We had salmon pizza that night. <laughs> and about four or five days later, I went back. And we walk, I walked into the fish area, and he was behind his case, and he saw me, and I saw him. He comes running around, and we give each other a great big hug. And he says, Oh, young lady, you sure look better this week than you did last week. <laughs> I know. And I said, I I can't thank you enough for your kindness. I really needed your shoulder, I guess. And uh, so I'm here for a couple of reasons, for three. One, I want to pay you for the salmon. (laughs) And uh, secondly, I noticed I left a big blob of mascara on your shoulder, and I'm really sorry. I want to clean your jacket for you. And I have some uh, some, um, chocolates. He said, okay, young lady, This is how we're going to handle this one. You are not going to pay for the salmon. The jacket's already cleaned. But I will take those chocolates. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I met this man twice, and I never knew his name. But the act of kindness that he gave me that day changed my life forever. I I believed him, and he was right. I did get through that chapter. And I would encourage all of us that when we see people, we're out in grocery stores and Starbucks and airports, and when we see someone that really needs a shoulder, Somehow, if we just pat them on the back, or if we just say, Can I help you? Do you need something? Just an act of kindness will completely uplift the consciousness of humanity. My King Salmon sage changed my life forever, and he reminded me that there is nothing bigger than God. Nothing. No human experience is bigger than God. trio of trouble number excuse me trio of treasures number 3 and i do believe it's the hardest and that is allowing just allow know what you want and stay focused on that and then let it go know the what trust the how Know the what, trust the how. As I journeyed through ministerial school in the 80s, you could never have told me, or I could never have told you, in the early 80s that I would end up at the Portland Church of Religious Science and I would meet one of the most special people in my life, Robin Ryan. I remember you in the hug line. We've been through a lot. You, and, and my wonderful old practitioner, we trained together, Keith A. Dean. Wonderful. My journey, I never could have figured out. We don't get to figure out how. We just need to know what we want. Know the what and trust the how. Taoism reminds us to flow with life and live in the mystery. With the Tao, there's no need to... Solve the different contradictions in our lives. ...what we want, and then trust the how, and enjoy the process to unfold. Lao Tzu says, when you are content, I'm so sorry, when you are content to simply be yourself, and don't compare or compete, everybody will respect you. To close, I want to share with you that the Tao Te Ching has 81 verses. And over the centuries, many people... There's been much debate about what Lao Tzu wrote that day. But every single person has said one thing, and that is about the 25th verse. And they say that indeed Lao Tzu used the word great. Great is boundless. Boundless is eternally flowing, ever flowing. It is constantly returning to know the way. Understand the great within yourself. Thank you so much for having me to my Dow party. I love being here with you, and I celebrate your greatness. Thank you so much.